0: This morning, would you open up your copy of God's Word to Galatians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, there is a black book in the pew in front of you. And we would love for you to take that home as a gift from our church to you. Or if you need uh, a copy of God's Word, whatever it is, uh, please contact our church office this week. We would love to equip you with the saving power of God's Word. Anyone ever make a promise that they can't keep? Yeah? Um, What I love is when God makes a promise to us, he is good and he is faithful to fulfill that promise. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so what has taken place is God has made a promise to a gentleman named Abraham. The promise that he made to Abraham was 430 years before Moses, the Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments, was given to us. And the whole point of uh, Galatians chapter three, verses 15 through 20 is going to be, just because we have the law doesn't annul or void the promise that God made. God has given Abraham a promise. The promise was threefold. The first part of the promise is that God would give Abraham a land, an inheritance of land. One that they wouldn't have to run away from, one that they wouldn't have to defend, one that they wouldn't be exiled from, one that there wouldn't be famines in. The second part of the promise to Abraham was that Abraham's descendants would be blessed. And highly favored. Man that's pretty amazing. And then the third part. Of this three part promise. That God made to Abraham. Was that he would give him a son. Now if you don't know. Abraham is a character. An individual in the Old Testament. And when God makes this promise to Abraham. Abraham is old. I'm not talking about like. I'm talking about like old okay like he's 90 maybe a hundred years old he has a wife who struggles with infertility this is something that was extremely painful to her and maybe we ourselves are going through something like that or we know someone who is going through some infertility issues and the blessing and the favor that it is when we are able to have children But when God makes this promise to Abraham, he knows all of this. What I find interesting is Sarah, Abraham's wife, does something that you and I often do. Uh, Maybe I do it. Maybe you guys don't. I don't know. But sometimes I know the promise that God has made to me. I know that he's promised me an inheritance through his son, Christ, as payment for my sin. But what I do is I take matters into my own hands. What I do is I say, you know what, God, your timing and my timing, they just don't align. And so I, I got to step in and play God for a minute. See, what Sarah did is she said, Abraham, God, I know that you guys have this promise between another, between one another, but I'm not I'm not able to deliver a child for you. And so through her disobedience in trusting the faithfulness of God's word, check this out, church, she takes matters into her own hands, and Abraham then sleeps with the maid. They conceive and they give birth to a son. But this wasn't the promised son. Later on, maybe 10 years of time from these two gentlemen, Abraham would trust the faithfulness of God. It was by faith that Abraham was saved. He was faithful in the promise that God made to him. He knew that this was a promise that God made to him. And so later on, he would give birth to a son, and he would call him Isaac. You ever read in your Bible... And you're reading a whole bunch of names that you can't pronounce. And there's all these genealogies and all these names. And this person was the father of this person and the son of this person. And and all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, wait a second. Well, I love how those are in there. Because what it does is it tells us this. Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac. Isaac fathered 12 sons. Those 12 sons represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And through one of those tribes, the son of man, Jesus Christ, through the genealogy would come. And so the argument that Paul's going to make to the church of Galatia is that the promise that God made to Abraham was Christ coming to fulfill it. It's actually a grammar thing you'll see in the text when we read it in a minute. It wasn't offsprings with an S. It was to the offspring who is Christ, who is one, who is the body of Christ, who is the local church, who is Christ that is able to fulfill that promise for us. My prayer is that this morning we would learn to trust the promises of God That we wouldn't try and get in God's way. That we wouldn't take shortcuts. That we wouldn't think that somehow we have a better plan than God has. But we would rest in the promises that He has for His people. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning as we gather as your people, Father, calm our hearts. Father, calm our anxieties. Father, there's so much going on around us that sometimes we can lose focus of the favor and the blessings that you have for us. Sometimes we can lose focus of the inheritance that we have and we try and put our hope in things of this world. Father, I pray for each and every soul here this morning. Father, my heart is burdened. My heart is burdened for maybe a soul here this morning that doesn't have a relationship with you. Father, would you make yourself known to them this morning? Father, would you allow me to get out of the way? Would you allow our church to get out of the way? And Father, would you just use us as willing servants to make your gospel known? It's in your name, all God's people say, amen. Read with me verses 15 through 18 in your copy of God's word, Galatians chapter 3. To give a human example, brothers, even when a man made covenant... No one annuls it or adds to it once it's been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and to his offsprings referring to many but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God So as to make the promise a void for if an inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. I love going out to eat Um, and as inflation gets more and more, we go out to eat less and less because the bill stacks up, right? But what takes place is you can go into any restaurant and you can order your meal, doesn't matter what you order, at the end of you enjoying your feast, there's this little piece of paper that comes to your table, and it's time to pay up. Now, I've gone to a restaurant, I've gone to a store before where I didn't bring my wallet with me. Have you guys ever done that before? And and, and just for the sake of illustration this morning, I want us to pretend that we have gone to dine, and we've had the feast of a lifetime called this world, and at the end of our meal, there is a bill that has to be paid. Now, you and I, if we don't trust the fulfillment of God, if we don't trust that he uh, and his promises is good enough, what I do is I begin to argue and debate and justify with everyone around me. See, I forgot my wallet. I'm not able to take care of the bill. But what takes place is I begin to talk to the waiter, and I tell her that the fries were cold when they came out. You know what, I actually didn't even eat all of my meals, so I should only have to pay for half of it. Hey, I can go in the back and I can wash dishes, and so I'll talk to the waiter or the waitress, I'll talk to the manager of the store, I'll talk to the owner of the store, and I begin to justify and justify and try and reason with them of why I don't have to pay this bill. But the matter of the fact is, someone has to pay the bill. Sometimes I think we just need to shut up. And when we do, what takes place, and and hopefully this has happened to you, and if it's happened to you or if maybe you are financially able to bless someone else, take care of someone else's meal, their ticket. Don't go over there and tell them you took care of it, whatever. Just be generous. But when we're finally able to stop justifying ourselves to the staff at the restaurant, then the waiter finally comes out, says, listen, you didn't let me talk. But someone came in 430 years ago and already paid the price for your ticket. This is the human example that Paul is making to the church of Ephesus. I want to go up a little bit and read verses 13 through 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. We receive a relationship with God through faith. We don't receive it according to the law, but that was a conversation among this church. That was a conversation of the religious in the church. They said, hey, if you want a relationship with Jesus, then you've got to check the box here. You've got to pay here. You've got to do this, and this works-based religion. And what Paul's confronting in the church is he says, no, no. Your law, the law that Moses has, the law that we know and we understand, did not come in so that somehow we can live according to the law. There was already a promise that was made. It was already signed by God. It was already ratified by God. The law of God doesn't void or annul the promise that God made to Abraham. You guys tracking with me? He says, man-made covenants. You go in and maybe you can keep a man-made covenant or you can't. But marriage is a man-made covenant. When we agree to pay for our mortgage for this house that we built or bought or whatever it is to the bank, we are making an agreement with the bank that we're going to go ahead and we're going to fulfill it. Now, we can either pay that agreement and fulfill our side of the uh, conversation, or it's going to be repossessed. And, And the story of the gospel is we can't pay the price of our sin. So we can trust in Jesus to fulfill it and having faith in him. Or, check this out, our soul can get repossessed your car payment, whatever it is. He says it has been ratified. This promise that God made to Abraham has been ratified. God has signed on the dotted line. God has made us so many promises throughout all of scripture. What if we just took a step back for a moment and we trusted what God said? says in verse 16 the promise was made to Abraham again he has this grammar argument with the church he says not to his offsprings but to his offspring who is Christ maybe your translation says seed instead of offspring how many times do we try and put ourselves in God's shoes how many times do we try and say you know what I'm going to take matters into my own hands hey God I know that you know who I'm supposed to marry but Mm, I'm going to go marry this person instead because I'm not being patient enough, or I'm going to go date this person instead because I don't feel uh, I d- I don't trust you to fulfill my comfort and my void, or I'm going to go and I'm going to uh, struggle with this temporary thing. This is what we do. We make very easy short term decisions that make long term reality very difficult. Instead of making easy short-term decisions, sorry, hard short-term decisions that make our long-term reality a little bit better, right? The, the snack that we ate at 10 o'clock last night, probably, like, as we do that over and over and over again, now all of a sudden, I'm obese, and, and, and this long-term thing that I've dealt with, or maybe uh, we go and we look at the computer screen, instead of spending time with our wife or whatever it is, we have these small instant gratification things that, over the course of time, disrupt and discourage our soul. We want what's easy. God's not control. God, God's not contr- concerned with what is easy. He says, I'm not even concerned if you're comfortable. everyone, Everyone look at me for just a moment. I think that our faith is strongest when we are most uncomfortable. Because it's then that we have to trust in God. When a situation happens that's out of our control, where do we go to? We go and we have to have trust in God. The promise that God made to Abraham was made to one person, and that one person is Christ. Verse 17 talks about the law, the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, the first couple books in our Bible whatever you want to paraphrase as the law, but specifically the rules that God gave to Moses came 430 years after God signed on the dotted line that he would fulfill a promise to Abraham. God is not defaulting on the promise that he made to you. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. God, where are you? I don't know where you are in this situation. God's not the one that's moved. We consistently run away from God. And you know what we run to? We run to those short-term, instant gratification things. We're over here hanging out with God, and we begin to drift and our temptations over here, whatever temptation we struggle with, and we come back to this temptation. And the temptation's staying over here and God's staying over there. Whatever sin we struggle with is staying over here. God's staying over there. And there's, there's this wrestle of us going back and forth. I want us to understand that our temptation has not moved and God has not moved. It is us that has rested in a place that we do not belong rather than resting in our faith in Christ. So that as verse 18 tells us, we could have the inheritance. This promise that God made to Abraham was that he would give him a land. He's talking about heaven. He says, I'm going to give you a place where you don't have to worry anymore, where you don't have to worry about wars and famine, where you don't have to worry about the crazy life that we live in. Are you willing to patiently wait on God to fulfill his promise to you? I want to just, with me this morning, I want to take a deep breath. One, two, three. Release. What if we just waited on God? And I said, God, you're in control. God, I trust you. We're trying to earn our approval before God when God has already taken care of our ticket at the restaurant and He's waiting in the car, we're so focused on that ticket we're so focused on the law we're so focused on the momentarily thing that we're waiting for God to take us to the next season of our life and really God's in the car he's waiting he's like when you can figure out that that I already took care of the, the bill for you then you can get in the car and we can go on to the next season but you're so worried and you're so stressed in fact it keeps you up all night long Because you're resting in sin rather than resting in Jesus. Read with me verse 19. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come. To whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels as an inner. Dang it. Tommy help me out. Intermediary. I have practiced this word so many times. I went to speech counseling with Tommy this week. (laughs) Man. We talked. We said, hey, well, why don't we just change the translation this week? And uh, Anyways. Intermediary. If I don't look at the word, then I can pronounce the word, which doesn't make sense, but then why the law? (laughs) As you're... uh, Anyone, everyone under the age of 18, raise your hand for just a moment. Okay. Have you ever asked your parents why? (laughs) Hey, clean your room. But why? Because we got company coming over. Sometimes you don't get the answer to your why. (laughs) Because mommy said so, and you're like, yes, ma'am. This is what the church of Galatia is doing. He says, all right, well, if God made the promise to Abraham and we receive that inheritance through faith in Jesus Christ, then what's the purpose of following the law? That's a fair question. It says, because we're waiting on the one who has come. And because of our transgressions, look at that word transgressions in verse 19. Because of our sins, because of how wicked we are, we need something to preserve us a little bit. Right? Your parents have rules for you, not because they've figured everything out, but to try and preserve you until you can be redeemed in Christ. Your parents can't save you. It's Christ who saves you. But they put rules in our lives so that we don't go 100 miles an hour on Highway 211. Could you imagine if there was no rules or no law? I don't want to do homework this week, so I'm gonna kill my teacher. There's no punishment. That friend made me mad. He cussed me out at the gas station. Take matters into your own hands. There's no punishment. And so what Paul's telling the church is, hey, the law's put in place because you don't even, like, not only do you need Jesus to save you, to take the payment for our sins, but we need some rules in place so that this place isn't a mess. Because it's going to be a mess because we're so messed up. But we're going to put some rules in place to try and preserve the mess until Jesus can come to ratify and redeem what is wrong. And so we patiently wait on Jesus. The law is helpful on earth, but it has no benefit in our salvation. Teaching your kids how to do something is pretty awesome, right? Teaching them not to do stuff, even as hard as it is, is pretty difficult. Listen, we are children of God. And God has put rules and laws in place for our temporary benefit, but it does not save us. Read with me verse 20. I'm not going to look. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Jesus is the intermediary that fulfills the promise for us. So when God and Abraham made this agreement. Abraham didn't have the credit to get the loan. He didn't have the credit score. He didn't have the down payment. He Didn't have what was taken. What was needed for the deal to be accepted. And so Jesus co-signed. On Abraham's behalf. He says. So even though Abraham. Wasn't able to lift up. His side of the deal. It is Jesus. Who has come in. And taken over. The intermediary. The mediator between. Humankind and God himself. Is Jesus. Jesus. In fact, over the course of church history, there's two things that you may be familiar with. In the Catholic Church, some Catholic churches believe that you don't have access to God. You have to go through a priest to communicate. What Paul's telling the church at Galatia is that's not true. Jesus is your mediator. The Jewish faith has what they call a yarmulke. They put it on the back of their head. And their yarmulke represents Christ inappropriately. And they understand the holiness of God. They understand how important God is and how they can't possibly be in right standing with God. And so they put something on their head to distance them away from God because they know that in their own accord they can't do this. But our yarmulke, our priest, is Jesus. Jesus is our mediator. Jesus goes on our behalf. Jesus fulfills the promise that God made to Abraham. It wasn't Abraham following a law that did this. It was Christ who did it. He says... Most of the time when you're talking about an intermediary, you're talking about a mediator. There's multiple groups of this, but I'm talking about one. He says, I'm talking about Christ. I'm talking about God. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, how one is together. In fact, I would go on to say that he's talking about one being the local church. There's so many different ways that we can reach our community, church. But it is my personal conviction, and you may or may not have this conviction, but I'm going to lead our church in this conviction that the church should be the most diverse group in our community. We should have all walks of life, all different types of testimonies, hobbies, interests, races, because we are one body in Christ. You have a brother or sister that is sitting across from you, that is sitting in front of you, that is sitting behind you. You don't get to pick your siblings on if you like them or not. Just ask your kids if they like their siblings all the time. They'd be like, no, if there's no law, I'm kicking them out because that Oreo cookie is mine. We are one in Christ. We are one body in Christ. And the church grows, and the church is fruitful when each individual body member uses the gifts that God has given them. Remember, he's giving them a human example. Go back up to verse 14. He says the word might two times. Verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. He says We might be able to know the Bible. We might be able to know Christ so we can tell other people about Christ. And we might be able to be in tune with the Spirit so we can do the work that Christ has in store for us. So maybe this morning you come. You come to church and you're like, you know what? I have put so much effort in my own behavior, I have put so much effort in trying to have a relationship with Jesus. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus without Jesus fulfilling that for us. Your relationship with God is through faith in Jesus. Jesus is the only payment for our sin, and our faith in him is what gives us right standing before God. We cannot follow the law. The law was not intended to be completely followed. Jesus has come to fulfill the law. The only purpose of the law is temporary health. I look at Matthew chapter 5, one of my favorite verses, and it talks about the one who is Christ, the one who is the local church being the preservance of the earth. The law is to preserve the earth, not to save the earth. I'm going to ask our band to come forward this morning, and I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. I don't know if you have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know if you've grown up in a church that has bewitched you, and told you a gospel that is not true. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is this that God made a promise to you, and God fulfills that promise. Will you accept your inheritance from God through the Father? through Jesus or will you keep trying to work your way to holiness at some point my prayer is I pray that it's this morning that you would realize that Jesus is the only payment for our sin we are not justified by works of the law but we are justified by faith would you stand with me church We're going to have a time of invitation where if you need prayer, if you need to make these steps your altar, if you need to just say, you know what, I'm going to lay down and I'm going to patiently wait on the promises that God has for his people. Everything's not great right now, but I trust that all things work together for those who are called according to his purpose. I trust the promises of God. As you're leaving this morning, you'll find in the foyer, little business card, and it has a Bible verse on the back. The verse is Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. It's going to be on the screen, and I'm going to ask us to read it together. We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in christ and not by works of the law because by works of the law the one will be justified will you stand before god justified or will you stand before god trying to justify your salvation before him on a debt that you cannot pay would you sing with us this morning and If we can pray with you, please come forward.